Volume Two, Chapter Twelve of A Simple Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Escado. A Simple Story by Elizabeth Inchbald. Volume Two, Chapter Twelve. When Miss Milner retired to her bedchamber, Miss Woodley went with her. Nor would leave her the whole night, but in vain did she persuade her to rest. She absolutely refused, and declared she would never from that hour indulge repose. The part I undertook to perform, cried she, is over. I will now, for my whole life, appear in my own character, and give a loose to the anguish I endure. As daylight showed itself, and yet I might see him once again, said she, I might see him within these two hours, if I pleased, for Mr. Sandford invited me. If you think, my dear Miss Milner, said Miss Woodley, that a second parting from Lord Elmwood would but give you a second agony, in the name of heaven, do not see him any more. But if you hope your mind would be easier, were you to bid each other adieu in a more direct manner than you did last night, let us go down and breakfast with him. I'll go before and prepare him for your reception. You shall not surprise him, and I will let him know it is by Mr. Sanford's invitation you are coming. She listened with a smile to this proposal, yet objected to the indelicacy of her wishing to see him, after he had taken his leave. But as Miss Woodley perceived that she was inclined to infringe this delicacy, of which she had so proper a sense, she easily persuaded her. It was impossible for the most suspicious person, and Lord Elmwood was far from a character, to suppose that the paying him a visit at that period of time could be with the most distant idea of regaining his heart, or of altering one resolution he had taken. But though Miss Milner acquiesced in this opinion, yet she had not the courage to form the determination that she would go. Daylight now no longer peeped, but stared upon them. Miss Milner went to the looking-glass, breathed upon her hands and rubbed them on her eyes, smoothed her hair and adjusted her dress, yet said, after all, I dare not see him again. You may do as you please, said Miss Woodley, but I will. I, that have lived for so many years under the same roof with him, and on the most friendly terms, and he going away perhaps for these ten years, perhaps for ever, I should think it a disrespect not to see him to the last moment of his remaining in the house. Then do you go, said Miss Milner eagerly, and if he should ask for me, I will gladly come, you know. But if he does not ask for me, I will not, and pray don't deceive me. Miss Woodley promised her not to deceive her, and soon after, as they heard the servants pass about the house, and the clock had struck six, Miss Woodley went to the breakfast-room. She found Lord Elmwood there, in his travelling-dress, standing pensively by the fireplace, and, as he did not dream of seeing her, he started when she entered, and, with an appearance of alarm, said, "'Dear Miss Woodley, what's the matter?' She replied, "'Nothing, my lord. But I could not be satisfied without seeing your lordship once again, while I had it in my power.' I thank you, he returned with a sigh, the heaviest and most intelligent sigh she ever heard him condescend to give. She imagined, alas, that he looked as if he wished to ask how Miss Milner did, but would not allow himself the indulgence. She was half inclined to mention her to him, and was debating in her mind whether she should or not, when Mr. Sandford came into the room, saying as he entered, For heaven's sake, my lord, where did you sleep last night? Why do you ask? said he. Because, replied Sandford, I went into your bedchamber just now, and I found your bed made. You have not slept there to-night. I have slept nowhere, returned he. I could not sleep, and having some papers to look over, and to set off early, I thought I might as well not go to bed at all. 
Miss Woodley was pleased at the frank manner in which he made this confession, and could not resist the strong impulse to say, You have done just then, my lord, like Miss Milner, for she has not been in bed the whole night. Miss Woodley spoke this in a negligent manner, and yet Lord Elmwood echoed back the words with solicitude. Has not Miss Milner been in bed the whole night? If she is up, why does she not come and take some coffee? said Sandford, as he began to pour it out. If she thought it would be agreeable, returned Miss Woodley, I dare say she would, and she looked up at Lord Elmwood while she spoke, though she did not absolutely address him, but he made no reply. Agreeable, returned Sandford angrily. Has she then a quarrel with anybody here, or does she suppose anybody here bears enmity to her? Is she not in peace and charity? Yes, replied Miss Woodley, that I am sure she is. Then bring her hither, cried Sandford, directly. Would she have the wickedness to imagine we are not all friends with her? Miss Woodley left the room and found Miss Milner almost in despair, lest she should hear Lord Elmwood's carriage drive off before her friend's return. Did he send for me? were the words she uttered as soon as she saw her. Mr. Sandford did, in his presence, returned Miss Woodley, and you may go with the utmost decorum, or I would not tell you so. She required no protestations of this, but readily followed her beloved adviser, whose kindness never appeared in so amiable a light as at that moment. On entering the room, through all the dead white of her present complexion, she blushed to a crimson. Lord Elmwood rose from his seat and brought a chair for her to sit down. Sandford looked at her inquisitively, sipped his tea, and said, He never made tea to his own liking. Miss Milner took a cup, but had scarce strength to hold it. It seemed but a very short time they were at breakfast, when the carriage that was to take Lord Elmwood away drove to the door. Miss Milner started at the sound, so did he, but she had nearly dropped her cup and saucer, on which Sanford took them out of her hand, saying, Perhaps you had rather have coffee? Her lips moved, but he could not hear what she said. A servant came in and told Lord Elmwood the carriage was at the door. He replied, Very well, but though he had breakfasted, he did not attempt to move. At last, rising briskly, as if it was necessary to go in haste when he did go, he took up his hat, which he had brought with him into the room, and was turning to Miss Woodley to take his leave, when Sanford cried, My lord, you are in a great hurry, and then, as if he wished to give poor Miss Miller every moment he could, added, looking about, I don't know where I have laid my gloves. Lord Elmwood, after repeating to Miss Woodley his last night's farewell, now went up to Miss Milner, and taking one of her hands, again held it between his, but still without speaking, while she, unable to suppress her tears, as heretofore, suffered them to fall in torrents. "'What is all this?' cried Sanford, going up to them in anger. They neither of them replied, or changed their situation. "'Separate this moment,' cried Sanford, "'or resolve to be separated only by death.' The commanding and awful manner in which he spoke this sentence made them both turn to him in amazement, and, as it were, petrified with the sensation his words had caused. He left them for a moment, and going to a small bookcase in one corner of the room, took out of it a book, and returning with it in his hand, said, Lord Elmwood, do you love this woman? More than my life, he replied, with the most heartfelt accents. He then turned to Miss Milner. Can you say the same by him? She spread her hands over her eyes, and exclaimed, Oh, heavens! I believe you can say so, returned Sanford, and in the name of God and your own happiness, since this is the state of you both, let me put it out of your power to part. Lord Elmwood gazed at him with wonder, and yet, as if enraptured by the sudden change this conduct gave to his prospects, she sighed with a kind of trembling ecstasy, while Sanford, with all the dignity of his official character, delivered these words. 
my lord while i thought my counsel might save you from the worst of misfortunes conjugal strife i importuned you hourly and set forth your danger in the light it appeared to me but though old and a priest i can submit to think i have been in an error and i now firmly believe it is for the welfare of you both to become man and wife my lord take this woman's marriage vows you can ask no fairer promises of her reform she can give you none half so sacred half so binding and i see by her looks that she will mean to keep them and my dear continued he addressing himself to her act but under the dominion of those vows to a husband of sense and virtue like him and you will be all that i himself or even heaven can desire now then lord elmwood this moment give her up for ever or this moment constrain her by such ties from offending you as she shall not dare to violate lord elmwood struck his forehead in doubt and agitation but still holding her hand he cried i cannot part from her then feeling this reply as equivocal he fell upon his knees and cried will you pardon my hesitation and will you in marriage show me that tender love you have not shown me yet will you in possessing all my affections bear with all my infirmities she raised him from her feet and by the expression of her countenance by the tears that bathed his hands gave him confidence he turned to sandford then placing her by his own side as the form of matrimony requires gave this for a sign to sandford that he should begin the ceremony on which he opened the book and married them with voice and manner so serious so solemn and so fervent he performed these rites that every idea of jest or even of lightness was absent from the mind of all who were present miss milner covered with shame sunk on the bosom of miss woodley when the ring was wanting lord elmwood supplied it with one from his own hand but throughout all the rest of the ceremony appeared lost in zealous devotion to heaven yet no sooner was it finished than his thoughts descended to this world he embraced his bride with all the transport of the fondest happiest bridegroom and in raptures called her by the endearing name of wife but still my lord cried sandford you are only married by your own church and conscience not by your wife's or by the law of the land and let me advise you not to defer that marriage long lest in the time you disagree and she should refuse to become your legal spouse i think there is danger returned lord elmwood and therefore our second marriage must take place to-morrow to this the ladies objected and sandford was to fix their second wedding day as he had done their first he after consideration gave them four days miss woodley then recollected for every one else that forgot it that the carriage was still at the door to convey lord elmwood far away it was of course dismissed and one of those great incidents of delight which miss milner that morning tasted was to look out of the window and see this very carriage drive from the door unoccupied never was there a more rapid change from despair to happiness to happiness perfect and supreme than was that which miss milner and lord elmwood experienced in one single hour the few days that intervened between this and their lawful marriage were passed in the delightful care of preparing for that happy day yet with all its delights inferior to the first when every unexpected joy was doubled by the once expected sorrow nevertheless on that first wedding day that joyful day which restored her lost lover to her hopes again even on that very day after the sacred ceremony was over miss milner with all the fears the tremors the superstition of her sex felt an excruciating shock when looking upon the ring lord elmwood had put upon her finger in haste when he married her she perceived it was a mourning ring 
End of Volume 2 Chapter 12 End of Volume 2 Recording by Pam Moscato